the Irish Times Inside Business podcast in association with Davy. It's amazing what you discover when you really listen. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Business Podcast. Now, on Monday, a range of restaurants, cafes, pubs, retailers, museums and visitor centres will reopen, having been locked down since mid-March. One of them is Teeling Whiskey in Dublin's Liberties, and I'll be talking to its founder, Jack Teeling, about life under lockdown and its plans to reopen next week. I'll also be joined by Adrian Cummins, Chief Executive of the Restaurants Association of Ireland, which has called for a 1.8 billion euro government bailout of the sector. It's warned that half of the country's restaurants could close because of the financial hit from COVID-19. And later in the show, we'll hear from Billy Keating of Richie's Bike Store in Swords, which reopened on May 18th. He'll be telling me about how his business has fared since reopening. But let's start with Teeling Whiskey, and I'm joined by Jack Teeling, the founder of the company. It's five years old. Uh, Jack, congratulations, first of all. Uh, You should be celebrating that birthday, but it's not quite worked out as you would have wanted to, I'm sure. Just tell us a little bit about life under lockdown for Teeling. Yeah, well, uh, we had lots of plans. This was setting up to be our record year, uh, five years in operation as a visitor attraction and distillery in the city centre of Dublin. Um, And the world came to a halt on the 12th of March and uh, the world's really been flipped on its head. And uh, we've been trying our best to to keep things uh, positive and moving forward in the right direction. Uh, but the, the last three months have been very difficult, in particularly for our staff, uh, with so much uncertainty. And, uh, you know, look, the challenges are out there. But uh, uh, we kept ourselves busy. We did a lot of virtual events, uh, a lot of charity-based events and so forth, and tried to give back as much as we possibly could. Uh, but, you know, delighted that we are able to open our doors for visitors again come uh, this coming Monday, um, and it happens to be coincides with our our fifth birthday, uh, which we celebrated uh, uh, virtually with staff. Um, um, and uh, look, we're we're excited to get back open, but it it's going to be a different world. There's so many challenges out there, and literally just jumped off a call where we we're talking through all the challenges and all the things that we had to do to to get. Uh, uh, the distillery back open in a safe and uh, a positive way, but you know at the same time try to deliver the customer service that we pride ourselves in. Um, and uh, I think realistically, being a cultural tourist attraction, the city centre of Dublin, uh, we're probably going to be hit harder uh, with the reopening than anywhere else, even on the on the west coast, because our overheads are so large. Um, uh, people don't seem to want to come into cities. Um, and, uh, you know, we had built a lot of our business on, on overseas visitors as well. So, so, you know, positive, but, you know, not the world that we know or, or have grown accustomed to over the last five years. Jack, just tell us a little bit about the financial hit from uh, COVID, because obviously no pubs selling teething whiskey in Ireland and uh, presumably uh, abroad. Um, no duty-free shops for you to sell your, your goods in, or certainly no people passing through those duty-free shops because airports have been uh, more or less wiped out. And uh, no visitors, obviously, no tours in your distillery. So what, what's been the financial impact for the company? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, everyone says, you know, alcohol sales are booming in the off trade. Uh, you guys must be making out like bandits and so forth. But uh, that's not true uh, in terms of obviously we've survived better than some other, other industries. But, you know, our business isn't just based on people buying alcohol in supermarkets. Um, uh, it's based a lot on, you know, the hospitality. It's, it's, it's bars, hotels, restaurants, uh, global travel retail, um, you know, a lot of tourist-based purchases as well. Um, and, and, you know, reality is it's, we're, we're a global business, so we're in 70 different export markets, and this is a global issue. Um, so it hasn't just 
badly affected here in Ireland, it's badly affected everywhere. So, so we really have taken a massive couple of steps backwards um, um, and, uh, you know, we're probably back to where we were in 2016, 2017 in terms of what we're projecting for turnover. And, you know, at the moment, we're looking at, at, at our overall turnover being down between 30 and 40% um, uh, year on year um, um, and, and dealing with the consequences of that. And, and, you know, we're doing well. You know, that's, that's a good result in the current environment. Uh, but for our visitor centre hospitality, obviously we've had minimum, if any, revenue uh, over over the last few months, we have opened our our cafe uh, uh, in in the visitor centre, but it's operating at probably one tenth of its its its, its revenue, and uh, you know that's not taking into account all the other uh, lost revenues from tours, uh, um, tastings, bar spend, and so forth. So so look, it's going to be a very challenging year, um, uh, and it's still quite murky on on what the year is going to end out like, unfortunately. Okay, so that's the uh, that's the negative, if you like. The positive is that you will reopen on Monday. So tell us what um, what teeling whiskey is going to look like uh, when it reopens in a socially distanced way, and how are you going to operate these tours? Presumably, you're going to have to reduce the number of people uh, who are able to take tours with you at any one time. Yeah, well, we're lucky uh, that we're, we have space, um, and uh, you know, so some other visitor attractions might be in o- older buildings, so um, struggle to have physical distancing. But we base everything on on giving as much space as we possibly can and obviously we'll adapt with changes in legislation that come up as best as possible. Um, but uh, we're reducing the number of people on tours, we're reducing the number of tours, um, uh, you know, putting in place plenty of social distancing and, uh, uh, you know, uh, procedures to ensure that we create a safe, welcoming environment without losing, you know, the Irish hospitality, Irish welcome, um, but doing it in a way that is, is you know, hopefully dealing with people's uh, concerns and also creating a safe environment for our staff. Uh, is that economically viable going forward? Uh, that's the <laughs> that's the question. Are, are we going to be busy um, for the next couple of weeks? Probably not, but, uh, you know, for, for us, it's a start. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we're looking forward to hopefully um, continued support and, and more support um, um, given these unique challenges specifically to the hospitality side of our business. Adrian Cummins, the Restaurant Association of Ireland produced a report uh, just a few days ago outlining the challenges facing the sector as it uh, looks to reopen next Monday. And just wondering, um, maybe you can talk us through some of the uh, unique challenges, if you like, facing restaurants and cafes uh, in particular. Thank you, Kieran. Um, the, the restaurant industry was, like many, many sectors within hospitality, was the first and worst hit. Uh, sector when COVID uh, virus came to Ireland. The vast majority of restaurants have, are now closed nearly 105, 106 days. So when we reopen, uh, we want to reopen in a, in a safe environment to get our customers back into restaurants. The, the financial hit for our industry is, has been phenomenal. The vast majority of restaurants are now you know, trying to get their doors back open. Uh, with minimum mi- minimal support available to them. And that's why we've put together a roadmap, a plan that is fully costed to, uh, for government to try and get 120,000 restaurant and cafe workers back to work, uh, thousands of businesses back up and open, 
in every town, village and city in this country. Uh, during the, the summer season, for in, uh, particularly in areas that are dependent on tourism, uh, for, that will keep them uh, going over the winter months. So we've looked at, uh, looked at a specific uh, package of measures centering around um, supports for in our industry around the continuation of the temporary wage supplement scheme for our sector, which is, that is vital that the government uh, um, continue that for hospitality at least. And that covers uh, restaurants, cafes, hotels, uh, uh, visitor attractions, bars, all parts of hospitality. Uh, we need to look at uh, the area of grant aid and not loans for our industry. Every business doesn't want another loan on top of a loan. What they want is a grant aid. And Ireland has been behind the curve in accessing um, um, funding from Europe through the Emergency Disaster Relief Fund. Other countries like Denmark has done this, where they have tapped into it and provided grant aid to their hospitality industry. So Ireland needs to do the same and give businesses that have spent a lot of money preparing to reopen. So the average cost for a restaurant to prepare to reopen is about 25 to 30,000 euros. That's to put in all the fixtures, fittings, training, uh, getting your your business ready to take cons- customers in, uh, back in in a safe environment and, and provide a safe working uh, environment for your for your employees. And then we need to deal with in our in our industry specifically around rents. Uh, 90% of restaurants and cafes across the country are rented. Uh, we don't have a proper structure to uh, around disputes because at the moment, the turnover in what we expect will plummet in our industry to about at least uh, about 50% of turnover. And some people are saying that their turnover will drop to about uh, 25 and 30%. So obviously their rents that they're paying to their landlords need to reflect that. And we need to have a a fast track system for arbitration so that businesses uh, can deal with the landlords in a progressive manner and get to a resolution that is best for both parties. So there has to be burden sharing here and the banks have to have a a part to play in this plus the government. So if your landlord has to pay a mortgage on on, on a loan, they need to get some sort of leverage on that from the bank. So there's a lot of moving parts uh, with with regards to this crisis and a lot of people need to step up to the plate to support us. Adrian, I I suppose some of the measures people will uh, readily understand, like for example, the extension of the wage subsidy scheme, maybe a break on commercial rates and, and movement on, downwards on the VAT rate. But one of the items um, that you, you mentioned was uh, a rent subsidy. Uh, how would that work? That, that works, um, has worked in France and has worked in other European countries where the government would give some level of support to the landlord. The bank takes a, takes a cut on the, on the rent. And then obviously that is transferred onto the, the tenant so that, that the tenant is, is uh, paying a reduced rent. So everybody uh, is part of this solution. Um, the problem that we have is we don't have a mechanism or a structure in place in Ireland to, to get this done. And that's where in the programme for government, there is a forum where all um, um, landlords, banks, uh, tenants come around the table to come up with a a universal structure that can be rolled out. Now, uh, we had this issue back in the last recession. It was called Upward Only Rent Reviews. And we got over that. So where there's a will, there's a way. So I give a very simple analogy around 
where government needs to move to move to and very very fast if you if the if if our government uh, doesn't move on this you'll see a tsunami of closures which will have everybody gets burned the the gov- the the lack the ta- the taxpayer will have to foot the unemployment bill landlords lose their rent and then banks are are burnt as well so there's a there, everybody needs yeah. to move move on this very very fast it just sounds to me, though, I mean, some people might interpret it as a bit of a uh, a break for landlords, a, a government bailout for landlords, particularly big institutions like Hammerson. No, I don't see that at all, Kieran. Where I see is that landlords have to, they have to reduce as well, and everybody has to play their part. So, and that's where the mechanism, I believe, has to be around your turnover. Where your turnover has collapsed, obviously rents has to come down in line with that. And I think that we're in the new norm now, in an emergency economic environment. This is different to the last um, uh, crisis, which was specifically around banks. This is around the entire economy and every parts of the, part of the economy. And it's not just hospitality, it's retail as well. It's all elements of the economy where certain sectors, a lot of sectors just are on their knees and don't have the don't have the uh, liquidity to pay back uh, loans and pay back pay back pay rents that's where we are at the moment and okay. th- i think if you look at where we uh, nationalize the private hospitals overnight i believe there's there's a will there should be a way to get things done very very fast okay jack Taylor, what kind of costs involved uh, for you guys in terms of the reopening yeah, it's, uh, it's it's substantial because of the screens, the the extra training, the extra safety statements. Uh, you know, uh, we make hand sanitizer, so <laughs> luckily we don't have the cost around that. But uh, 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 it, it's it's substantial. Um, just even signage and so forth, like literally going through all the different variables and the complexity that actually has been brought into your 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 business to try and deal. Uh, with the required social distancing and creating that safe environment for your customers and, and your staff. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, I would say, 2025 is probably fair in terms of the overall cost uh, of what we've done. And we're not even sure if, if that's su- sufficient. And, we'll, you know, that's what we're starting. And when we're a little bit, uh, it's not going to be busy. Um, uh, but if things uh, be, uh, get 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 hopefully a little bit busier. Uh, there's going to be extra cost involved in there, but uh, it's the whole retraining of staff as well, um, and uh, you know, understanding from our perspective actually how much staff can we afford, even with the government supports, and uh, you know, planning that out. It's 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 like staring into into mud. It's so unclear. There's so many uncertainties, mm-hmm. and uh, it's very hard to. Uh, um, move forward with a lot of confidence uh, in the current environment, unfortunately. Jack, how can people be sure that if they take a tour of Teeling Distillery in the Liberties that they won't end up catching COVID? Well, I don't think anyone can actually guarantee you that, but we put in, in place a substantial number of, of procedures in terms of, of, of testing our staff to start off with, but also sanitization uh, of the, the distillery on an ongoing basis. Um, um, because of our extra space, we are providing, uh, uh, you know, the maximum amount of social distancing uh, uh, that we can. So in most places, it's over two meters uh, um, um, in the short term, um, um, uh, you know, until we get extra guidance on that um, and, uh, you know, ensuring that it's a, a continual uh, uh, cleaning and uh, hand sanitization basis for all visitors and um, for all our staff. So, 
So we followed every procedure guideline that has been communicated to us from the WHO to uh, Fulcher Ireland to uh, uh, the FSAI to IBEC and so forth. So, so we're doing everything that is, we're doing and as, as much uh, extra we can think of ourselves to ensure that we create that environment. But at the same time, you know, you want to give someone a reason to go. So you don't want to go into somewhere where they're not going to get entertainment or they're not going to be able to have an enjoyable experience. Um, at the core, safety, that's the minimum. So everything's changed, so that's the minimum now. Um, but we also have to ensure that the experience delivers something that people will want to go and, and in, in, in their minds to take a risk to do so. Um, but as you said, uh, we are putting in place uh, multi-layer procedures to ensure we create a safe and hopefully entertaining environment for people to come and experience a real operational distillery. Okay. Now, it doesn't look as if we're going to have much by way of tourists for the remainder of this year, and it's going to be a bit of a struggle, I think, even next year. That's certainly what the airlines uh, seem to be indicating. So without tourists, Jack, or without many tourists knocking about, shall we say, um, how does... How does Teeling Distillery fare uh, in that scenario? I mean, is there, a, is there enough demand, for example, in the domestic market to keep the distillery busy? You want the honest answer? I hope so. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I think we're going to struggle and we're hoping that, that people will, will, will support local businesses and that they'll feel comfortable to come into a city centre location to do so. Um, um, and, uh, you know, I think it will take some while before people um, um, come in troves. Um, but, you know, our business has been based uh, over the last four years. First year, we got a lot of support domestically um, as we reopened and people came to experience it. Um, we're hoping for, for something similar uh, in the short term. But, uh, you know, we would have, I'd say, 85 to 90 percent of our visitors would be uh, overseas visitors. People coming to Dublin on a short weekend or, you know, using Dublin as a base before they experience the rest of Ireland and, uh, you know, being brought on. The Dublin buses, the the hop on hop offs, which you know, as far as I'm aware, the Dublin bus uh, do Dublin is not going to be in operation for the rest of this year. Um, and the the red bus, the big bus, is going to come back, you know, some stage in, in August. That's the current guideline. So so it's going to be hard for people to get to us to start off with. So so it's going to be a very challenging situation. And again, um, uh, if I was looking at a, at a very, you know, look, it's our, our brand home, so it's important for our brand. Uh, but I was looking at it uh, uh, literally as as a standalone business. You'd be very concerned that uh, it would be able to wash its face, let alone um, 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 you know uh, survive uh, if we only had to rely on domestic business for the foreseeable future. Adrian, the restaurants are opening on Monday. There's going to be a lot of nervousness, I would have thought, uh, among certain sections of the population about stepping out into a restaurant or a cafe, at least in the in the short term. And um, what do you think consumer sentiment will be like? Well, we've seen uh, <clears throat> consumer research already that shows that 60% of the population would like to go to a restaurant. Um, that's very encouraging for us. We're actually just behind the garden centre <laughs> as a sector as being the most safest uh, uh, venue to go to. Um, we have our own challenges to, to increase that, that uh, perception among the wider uh, population. Um, and I think people will want, you know, there's going to be a lot of caution uh, with the public over the next uh, weeks and months ahead. And then there will be climatization where people will find the new norm and the new level and get used to 
uh, what people, you, you know, what uh, your your experience will be. So if you look at uh, when while retail was open right through this, um, our grocery retail was open right through this uh, crisis. People found their new norm, their new level going to the supermarket. I think the same will be for restaurants where people will come in and get used to what will be required. Uh, you know, you won't have, um, you know, uh, menus that will be handed around at uh, tables. Uh, you'll have a lot of hand sanitization provision within the restaurant. Uh, you will see where, you know, pre-booking is going to be the new norm. Uh, people will need to get, you know, go online, find the restaurant, book, book their, book their slot, book their time, all of that type of, of acclimatization for and customization for our customer experience over the next number of weeks and months ahead. Yeah, Jack, will people be required to wear face masks going into the distillery? No, uh, we will have staff uh, in certain uh, areas having it. Um, it will be, we will have them there available if people want to use them. Um, there's hand sanitization stations uh, spread throughout uh, uh, the, the distillery, uh, which will be operated by their feet and so forth. So, so we feel that we have the space uh, and uh, the steps in place that it's not essential. So we won't have people, uh, you know, on top of each other uh, or within the 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 um, below the guidance um, that would require a face mask, but you know if people want to and more comfortable to do it, then then definitely so. So so we wouldn't we it's not as tight for people like as for example in a shopping center won't have as many people in the building at any one time. Um, um, and uh, as I said, uh, we're lucky because being a new distillery, we have a new build facility, so so it's quite spacious. And we're we're yeah. we, you know we're reducing the number of people in at any one time. So so tours used to be up to twenty five people. Now they're going to be limited to ten. Um, um, so extra space, and we've laid it out uh, in terms of pods for groups or you know couples or individuals that are there to ensure maximum amount of of space. And reality wise, they probably won't be full, so they're even less again. So so uh, uh, we feel that we have that 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 added a benefit of space to allow people to go to wear a face mask if, if they feel comfortable, but it's not essential from our interpretation of, of uh, what creates a safe environment. Okay, Adrian, what's the, what's the guidance uh, across the restaurant sector on face masks? There's no requirement for face masks for front of house. There is guidance for uh, personal protective equipment uh, within the kitchen, and that's norm because... What we do best in restaurants, and we have done so, is is provide top quality food safety for the last 30, 40, 50 years uh, uh, within our industry. Uh, and so we do that. We're best in class in Europe around food safety. So this is this is nothing new to us. We, we're well able, well capable to roll it out. Uh, and I think a lot of people just want to get their doors open and get their customers in the door and get back to some sort of normality. And I think that we will get to a normality. Uh, what that will be like from a um, number of customers coming in our doors, we don't know yet. Uh, we are going into difficult times, Kieran. So I think people need to, you know, there's a lot of worried restaurateurs out there. They just just want to get their doors open. And I think this is an acceptance that the two metres social distancing in the long term, anyway, that certainly won't work for restaurants in terms of economics. But what about one metre? Might that work? Uh, well, we, we were the first uh, trade association to come out and look for the one metre. We went against the advice of everybody to step up and call it out. 
And then everybody said, yeah, it's right. From an economics point of view, we're still providing a WHO, World Health Organization, one metre social distancing guideline. It's there. Every other European country now has followed suit. And we were following actually um, Austria, the Nordics, a lot of these conservative countries that have um, top quality uh, food service. uh, And we wanted to be treated exactly the same as them. Um, so we are we are in a space where we're we're, we're our capacity is down about twenty five percent on the on on the day that we open our doors, but at least it's better than when we were two meter social distancing when you were reduced by seventy five percent. So it is a this is a massive uh, plus for our industry. It gives us a fighting chance, and if we can get more supports from the government. It'll help those businesses try and keep their doors permanently opened. Okay, and Adrian, as the head of the restaurants uh, body here in Ireland, you know you have to lead by example. Uh, Everybody will expect to see you out and about in restaurants and cafes every day. So, have you decided where you're going on Monday? I'm. uh, I have. I've chosen where I'm going on on uh, on Monday, but like uh, I have a lot of members to to keep happy. So, if I say one one restaurant over another, I can see myself getting into a lot of hot water. But I, I am looking forward to getting out and about and meeting those business owners who have, you know, they've, they've gone through three months of torture and has been a tough for every business owner, whether you're in the restaurant industry or whether you're in retail or whatever, it has been tough. And what we want to do is get back to business and we want to, and in our sector, we want to provide great food and great customer service. All right, well, let's hope that happens on Monday and that plenty of people come through the doors of restaurants and cafes around Ireland. Now, Jack Taylor, we wish you well in your plans to reopen. Hopefully, uh, the tourists will come back sometime soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Karen. At Davy, we know uncharted territory can be a challenge. We've been in business since 1926, and since then, we've advised many different clients through many global and national crises. Some will seek comfort in the safe and familiar, while others will embrace the opportunity to try something new. Throughout the years, we've not only listened to our clients, we've got to know you personally, helping us advise you on a financial life plan that suits you best. Davy, it's not just business, it's personal. Janie Davy, trading as Davy, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. We take our responsibilities personally. Now, I'm joined on the line by Billy Keating, manager of Richie's Bike Store in Swords. It reopened on May 18th in the first wave of reopening under the government's roadmap um, for reopening the economy following the lockdown. Um, Billy, uh, you're very welcome to Inside Business. We featured you in the paper around that time and you were expecting the, the first day of business or that first week of business, if you'd like, to be really busy, to be a bit like Christmas time. Um, so how did it fare out for you? Exactly as predicted. Uh, absolutely manic and has remained the same ever since. And the word on the street, if you like, is that you can't get a bike for loving or money. Is that your experience as well? Some bikes are starting to come back to us, but yeah, there's still a huge shortage on everything. So Billy, maybe just tell us a little bit about uh, that first day of opening on May 18th. Uh, how many people were in the shop? How many bikes did you sell? Well, in the, in the shop, we were restricting it to two customers in the shop at a time, but there was a queue of about 100, 150 metres that went up and around the corner the first day we reopened again. So it was absolute bedlam. <laughs> and how much trade did you actually do that day? Uh, it would have been, would have been about four to five times a standard, standard day. Although saying that it was a Monday, so it would have been about 10 times your average Monday. Right, okay. And you had stock, you had, a, you had bikes to sell. We had some to sell, yeah. Not a huge amount, but we did have some, yeah. 
And how has demand been since then? Because obviously there's a big push now on to get people to cycle to work or to walk to work and to avoid public transport. So how is that manifesting itself in terms of demand? Yeah, well, demand demand is still outstripping supply quite substantially, but saying that stock is starting to come back. The issue was more with China because all the bicycles are manufactured, all the bicycles or their bits are manufactured in China and China's uh, lockdown locked their manufacturing for so long. So they were out of action for about four or five months. And that's why there's a huge shortfall on the floor in Ireland with everyone looking for bikes and only some capable of getting them. And Billy, have people been wearing masks uh, into the shop? Are you requiring to make to wear about masks? About 50% ratio, yeah. About 50% are, 50% aren't. Right, okay. What's your best seller been? Ooh. Oh, there's nothing. It's across the board. Everything. Uh, everything from children's bikes to racing bikes are bloody hard to get and everyone wants whatever they can put their hands on. Right. And you're more than a month into the reopening now. So is demand beginning to ease off a bit? Uh, no, no, it still remained around about the same as where it is. And it's purely because people weren't able to get bikes the first time around. Right. OK. And Billy, have you had to hire extra staff to cope with this demand? We've had a couple of extra part timers in. Uh, outside of that, though, no, we didn't really need to because we were two customers in the shop at a time. We were able to kind of operate it with what we had. Okay, is it still two customers at a time? Uh, at the moment, we're up to about three because we're able to distance them a, li- a little bit better. It's still very limited. And I presume you have to go through a whole sanitization regime. Are you wiping down bikes after customers come in every time? Do you know, has a feel or a look at the bike? Down, a credit card machine gets wiped down about 15 times a day. All the door handles everywhere get wiped down. Any surface that any customer is going to get touched gets cleaned several times over every day. Okay, well, it sounds like a positive experience from your point of view. I mean, obviously, the, the shop must have been badly hit by the lockdown, but um, are you positive about the future? Yeah, yeah, I don't see I don't see a big issue, with the exception of distancing. We just need to maintain the distancing, and uh, all seems to work out all right. Okay, great. Well, uh, Billy Keating, continued success. I hope uh, the people of Swords uh, continue to flock and buy bikes uh, from you, and uh, perhaps we'll get you on later in the year just to see how things have uh, panned out for you. Uh, thank you, Billy. Thanks a lot. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Jack Thielen, Adrian Cummins and Billy Keating for their contributions. Thanks also to our sponsor, Davy Group, for its continued support. Suzanne Brennan produced the show with JJ Vernon as sound engineer. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com and you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care and stay safe. <laughs>